Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome back to the Action Catalyst. Today, we are outside Franklin, Tennessee at Dark Horse Studios, and I have the privilege of spending time with Robin Crow. Robin, as I read about your bio, I believe you must be quintuplets because there are at least five different ways that you have had a big mark on the country and on the world, and you're continuing to. Listeners, Robin is an author. He's a recording artist with about a 40-year career in recording. He is a highly sought-after public speaker. He is a business builder and, most recently, an educator. So I don't know how five personalities can be in this one frame that we're with today, but welcome to the Action Catalyst. It's good to be here, Dan. Thank you. Well, it's exciting. When I read about your, your most recent venture, Dark Horse Institute, and that is to help people learn the business, the music business, the recording business, that side of it, through an innovative series of seminars, hands-on mentorship, it's sort of an all-new model for higher education, which I get very excited about learning. And it's amazing because you yourself left high school to start touring with a rock and roll band. Yeah, I started touring when I was 17. And in fact, after after a year of touring, I went back to complete high school, which I failed actually. Um, so I had to take uh, my senior year twice. Um, and then uh, obviously I did not go to college. <laughs> Could not wait to get out of school. <laughs> sure. Well, you had the education on the road. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You, Robin, you had a, a very long career and continue to as a performer, as a songwriter, as an album producer, 11 albums in release currently at this time, if I have the number right. Well, and, and just for what it's worth, all that stopped when I was 39. So okay. I have, so that's like, Ages ago, that's like uh, in a past life, I did all that, but um, I'm I'm no longer really recording records or performing in that way. Right, and I believe your most recent one, which was seven or eight years ago, all the proceeds went to charity. That's right, and I did make that one additional one. Uh, I forgot about that, and that's right. It all went to a wonderful organization called um, America First. It's wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it shows your unselfishness to continue giving back in that way, which is just great. Now, listeners, uh, Robin's first book was called Jump and the Net Will Appear, and it's something of his own journey of going from a person in the performing industry to actually starting a business, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. Can you just share some of the steps that happened? In other words, you, you were a success recording artist, you'd moved to Los Angeles, you were touring, you were promoting albums, but what was the, the jump that happened for you to first say, I hope that net's out there? What sort of led to that? Well, first of all, um, one of the things that, that was, I always thought that once I signed to a major label, which I ended up on RCA out of New York, I always thought that once that happened, that life would just become so much easier and all of a sudden it would be, everything would be downhill, but, uh, nothing could have been further from the truth. And it was kind of like, I got to go to the big game and I was still sitting in the dugout. Mm. Um, and so during the, during that period of time when I was with RCA, um, I was touring as opening act for Peter Frampton and for Cheap Trick. And I toured for almost a year opening for a, a jazz band called Sparajara. Um, and so I was doing things like that. 
but I was still basically broke. And, and it didn't matter how hard I would work. It was just always chasing those dangling carrots. And so when I got dropped from RCA, um, the only thing I really knew how to do uh, business-wise was I understood you know, the way the recording industry worked. I had recorded a lot of albums and spent a lot of my years in studios. And so for about three years uh, while I was on RCA, I was looking for a place that I could afford and I eventually uh, bought this 10 acres um, that we're sitting on here. And I decided that I would start a studio. Um, as I was building the first studio, which is actually in the other building, uh, about 100 yards from here, uh, one night about 4 a.m., um, I was hammering because I had, I had like a you know, tow belt on and I was literally working on this studio. And I saw a Tony Robbins infomercial. And I had always wondered, what is all this about? And I sat down, looked a little bit harder, and I ordered a set uh, way back then. This is over 20 years ago. I ordered a set of his um, uh, 30-day tape series. And I do mean tape. It was on little cassette tapes. Absolutely. And um, and like a lot of people that buy these things, um, it was delivered in the mail, and it just sat in my car for about two months and I never even put them on. And one day I was driving and I put that first tape on and I did not go for more than 10 minutes. And I said, this is going to change my life. Hmm. And it was, and I was literally the student looking for the teacher. It was like, oh my gosh, you mean I could, I could learn all this stuff? Cause I've always been a hard worker, but I've probably never had any common sense when it comes to business. And, and all of a sudden I just started connecting a lot of dots. And through that, I started listening to um, everybody I could get my hands on, uh, whether it was Brian Tracy or Stephen Covey or Robert Island or Robert Kiyosaki or um, all these different people that were, um, that were speaking and motivating. And I was just listening to everybody. And then about a year into this, I finally... Um, the first studio was now built, and I was now starting to work on this building, which is um, which was uh, a three and a half year project just to turn the electricity on. And I put myself on a plane and went to Dallas because those Tony Robbins tapes. He just kept saying, "You've got to come to my seminars," and and I kept thinking, "What could I possibly get out of a seminar that I wouldn't get from listening to this tape?" But I will tell you that there was something about being in a group of thousands of people that were all just on fire to better themselves. It was one of the most meaningful turning points um, of, my, of my entire life. And through all those experiences and through listening literally 14 hours a day while I built these buildings um, to CDs of various speakers— I just started getting really um, kind of 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and I built this entire building on credit cards, hmm. which I, I uh, you know, I don't necessarily recommend that anybody else try this, but, um, but I actually pulled it off, and, um, and I'm in a building that, um, just, just to, to put it factually, when I started, I had $2,000, which is enough to hire a bulldozer for two days. Hmm. to just clear the land. And this, this building is worth probably three or $4 million now. Um, it's um, it got three recording studios in it, and it's all big timber frame building that's 60 feet tall at its tallest point. And 
the reason that I was able to do this building is because I started believing in myself. I started believing that I was capable of so much more than I had ever imagined. And I think that it was a combination of those things and some pretty hard work and some persistence that um, that I started realizing that there's so much more possible in life. And as a, as a, back in the day when I was attempting to be a rock star, all I wanted to do was play guitar fast. You know, and I, I wanted everybody else to handle everything else. And I just, you know, just let me play my guitar. And, and so to start getting to that point that you want to take responsibility for where you are in life, uh, you want to um, uh, improve every day in some way. For me, I just found all that really liberating and really positive. And life was way more fun looking at it from that viewpoint than from the viewpoint of uh, griping about the music industry or whatever people like to gripe about. So you made the big jump and uh, with faith and with hard work and with the coachability you have, that net did appear and you were able to move forward. It did. And uh, I think it's always a fine line. It's, uh, I mean, I get teased about that title a lot uh, because obviously it's always got to be a balance of belief and a little bit of reality. You know, it's like um, um, th- that would be a little bit too far out of the realm if I decided that, well, if Elon Musk can colonize Mars, then I'm going to colonize Jupiter. You know, that's that's just, uh, if I jumped, I don't think that net would appear. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's a balancing act in there. You've got to be a little bit realistic while at the same time uh, setting goals that are bigger than you would have ever imagined. And you built around an area of expertise that you had spent years and years in, but you knew that there had to be a change in order to create something of bigger value than just continuing to play the guitar, continuing to tour. And many musicians at that stage actually decline. They don't go beyond that first big record contract. Oh, yeah. And uh, and yet you've managed to keep growing, which is awesome. Um, listeners, one of uh, Robin's great books is called Evolve or Die that actually ended up being a bestseller book, number five on USA Today's bestseller list. And there's seven different characteristics that you indicated in that book. And I wonder if you might comment on on just one or two of them. Uh, one of them was you said, get things done, followed by 100% accountability. Those are two of your three main principles there. Seems to me that those go together, but it also relates to what you just said. Realize that there's you're capable of more than you ever thought you could be. Right. But you got to work hard and, and get there. Can you right. comment a bit more on get things done and 100% accountability? Well, first of all, um, I believe that, uh, you know, if you don't take action, then whatever you're dreaming up is just wishful thinking. Mm. And so I think that when I say get things done, it's like, I mean, for instance, about uh, 30 minutes before this interview, I was swinging a hammer with my construction crew today because we're continuing to add on to Dark Horse um, as we speak. And I find that many people, that's what, that's what kind of gets them stuck is they just don't know how to get started. And one of my big philosophies is I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And as long as you keep doing that, um, somehow you'll end up with forward motion daily. And when you look back a year later and a year after that and a year after that, if you keep doing that, you're all of a sudden going to realize how much momentum you've gained and how far you've come. And so um, for me, that's that's kind of um, one of my secrets to how I keep going. And as far as accountability, um, I just think that um, 
once again, if I tell myself I'm going to do something, uh, I better follow through, and and I better I better take responsibility. Um, you know, in in my case, I've also got you know a family and four children, and and all of this, and so. I think accountability is is extremely important to hold yourself to a higher standard than maybe you're used to holding yourself to, and um, and become a self improver. You know, I'm I'm a big believer that if every day uh, we can continue to improve, it's just like in in the sports world. Um, you know, most sporting um, events, whether it's football or basketball or or track, it's all based on measurable improvement you know and they and they measure everything and and they they can tell if they're getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and so you can take that into your personal life with diet with exercise with obviously time management you know how how uh, manage your time i just heard of a new uh, time management thing that i'm or a, a strategy that i'm i'm trying to learn more about called time blocking Hmm. which is what Elon Musk does. And he uh, puts all his time management into five-minute increments. And uh, anybody that knows much about Elon Musk knows that um, he works 90 to 100 hours a, a week, dividing everything into five-minute blocks. Uh, but whether it's time management um, or measuring just your financial growth or measuring um, just the way that you're, uh, you know, taking care of your family. All those things are, are, to me, accountability. Right. They are, and they're measurable, which is letting you keep track of the accountability. Yes. Interestingly enough, somebody way smarter than me figured out that a 0.02% improvement per day, 0.02%, which is not much, over the course of a year is a doubling of output. It's 100% growth. Sure. Over two years, it's 300% growth, and over three years, it's 800% growth. But people that don't take that first step never get the chance to get the momentum started. Right. right. Another way that I like to put it is is try to stack one small success on top of another. Hmm. And that's how you can gain a lot of confidence in your life. If a lot of people, I think, they shut down and that's why they become couch potatoes and that's why they stop caring and that's why they start eating poorly and so on because they've just felt they've been knocked down so many times. They just feel like, well, what's the point? But if you just reverse that and every day you rise up to a little bit uh, higher level of excellence in whatever you're doing, let's just say diet. Um, you know, for me, diet has been a lifelong journey. And, um, and now I'm, I'm, my big thing for the last couple of years is to not eat sugar. And not eating sugar means no bread, no chips, no pasta. You know, we're not just talking about the obvious sugar things. Right. It's like in everything. And, but as long as you continue to do that, you're stacking one small success on top of another. And to me, that is a tremendously satisfying. Mm -hmm. It also gives you the fulfillment of knowing that you're following through on a plan of self-discipline, which absolutely. itself is reinforcing. Absolutely. So I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, you also are, are very strong in what you call the three Ps, which is people, planet, and profits, the environmental consciousness and responsibility. Can you share how that sort of came about? I, I know well, you're from the Northwest, a beautiful place. Uh, yeah, well, that's called the triple bottom line. And so basically, um, when, when if you've got a company, you know, it's not just about profit. Uh, 
And and there's plenty of companies that are not only about profit, but they are, let's say, Southwest Airlines, uh, which I my sister worked for them for 13 years. They're all about people as well. So you've got profit and people. Uh, but the third one, uh, which I think is so desperately needed uh, at this time in, you know, in our planet, is to also be caring about the planet. And that means maybe becoming um, carbon neutral, becoming uh, – are giving back in some kind of way or, or, you know, let's say running on solar power or just doing anything you can to um, to have a more holistic environment. Mm -hmm. And if you add all three of those things uh, to your business, there's some incredible success stories out there of businesses that are highly profitable that are basically the three Ps. Mm -hmm. The – Three Ps, the triple profit. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's excellent. Um, if you don't mind going a bit autobiographical with us, Robin, you're bound to have hit some brick walls at some point along the way where you couldn't see over them, you couldn't see around them, you couldn't see if there was a way through them. First of all, what do you do mentally when you hit an obstacle that just seems insurmountable? And then is there a series of steps that you try to go through to guide your own thinking first and then your actions? And how do you involve other people? And that's a big question. Well, First of all, um, I'm a big believer in staying in peak state as much as possible. And that means um, getting plenty of sleep and being in a place that you're going to be mentally flourishing because you're physically flourishing. And so a lot of times when I can't see around a problem like, you know, which is usually financial. Um, You know, I've got, excuse me, I've got just short of 20 employees right now. And, you know, when times are good, there's nothing more fun than having 20 employees. And when times are not good and you're burning through $30,000 upside down a month, you know, after three or four months, it can start looking pretty dismal. And I've, I've seen both sides of that coin. And for me, the first step is trying to do whatever it takes to stay in peak state, which means that during hard times, keep exercising, keep getting sleep, keep doing the things that are going to um, nourish you. And then, like I said earlier, keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll find a way out. You know, people people are amazingly resourceful, um, especially when they have to be, especially when they're motivated. And so I think that, um, you know, there's almost always a way. As long as we don't give up and we keep putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, that's right. So that totally makes sense. Um, are there any um, sort of mental conditionings that you find particularly helpful? You know, I, I also am a devotee of Anthony Robbins, and I know that he helped me understand self-talk mm-hmm. and that the way we refer to things mentally and to ourselves makes all the difference in the world. Do you have any, any favorite thoughts or mantras along those lines? Well, I'm not such a mantra person, but I'm definitely a positive thinking person. Mm-hmm. And um, I am bound and determined not to criticize others. And I'm bound and determined to tr- try my best to be a possibility thinker. So, you know, you look at problems and try to look at problems as possibilities instead of, um, instead of some kind of a negative downward spiral that sometimes can, you know, suck us all in a little bit. Um, so I guess that's, that's for me, um, 
the mental conditioning. But the other thing that I do is daily, and I mean every day, I listen to um, uh, TED Talks or various um, YouTube videos. Um, I've probably already listened to three or four today. Um, it's just a great way to start the day and find out whatever motivates you. I recently just listened to a video of Mark Wahlberg, and I, w- I had never even thought anything about him except, oh, this guy's an actor. And this guy gets up at 3.30 in the morning and starts exercising, then drinking shakes, then exercising, then drinking shakes. And by the time he gets to the movie set, he's already put in five hours of hard mm-hmm. work. And I just had no idea that this human was so disciplined as he is. And Dwayne Johnson is the same way. And these people, we all just look at them and go, well, these are just the masters of the universe and look at them. But they're, they didn't just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they put in a lot of discipline. And so I find that uh, when you're talking about mental conditioning, by uh, listening to those people, I get so inspired. Yes. You know, and 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 recently I was listening to, um, I hope I get his name right, Brian Chetsky. He's one of the three guys that started Airbnb. Hmm. And they could not get traction for quite a few years. And they tried and tried and tried just to raise $50,000 and could not do it. And I'm a guy that thinks that I'm not a quitter. Mm -hmm. But when I listen to his story, I think I would have quit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have kept on going. But to make a long story short, he's just turning 30 and he's worth $3.8 billion. Mm -hmm. And that's just him. And his other two partners are worth the same. So not only did they finally um, figure out how to make that work and gain traction, but then they figured out how to scale Airbnb to the point that now there's over a million Airbnb transactions per day. Wow. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. And so, you know, you listen to that and you go, oh, my gosh. You know, if that guy could do it, and they were talking about how literally they had an office in their bathroom in an apartment in San Francisco at one point when they were starting that that business. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, they're just regular people like we are, but they just kept on, they figured stuff out, they kept finding a way. And for me, that's very inspirational. Well, it is. They're the overnight successes after thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of sacrifice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Makes a big difference. Um Robin, you've been an entrepreneur. Can anybody be an entrepreneur? What what characteristics do you think are are most important? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, Tom Petty used to say, "If you call yourself a rebel, you're not a rebel." And <laughs> and so so I don't know. I don't I don't know what it takes to be an entrepreneur, other than the fact that I have an an incredibly acute case of dyslexia to the degree that I can't spell guitar. And I'm a guitar player. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but a high disproportionate amount of dyslexic people are entrepreneurs. Interesting. And one of the reasons that we become entrepreneurs is because we can't get things done ourselves. And so we start figuring out how to get other people to help us. And if, if I can do anything well, it's delegate. And my life is basically just delegating, making sure that the construction workers or my staff or or the different things that are going on in my life are kind of working. And I'm not very good with um, computers. I'm not good with accounting. I'm not good with um, uh, administrative work. But I have brilliant people 
that I have surrounded myself with that are good at those things. Mm. And so I don't know if everybody can be an entrepreneur. I, I, I really don't know the answer to that. But I will say this, that everybody to a degree needs to have an entrepreneurial mindset, even if you're working in a cubicle at a rather boring job, because by having that entrepreneurial mindset, it will cause you to want to be a little bit more of a risk taker when it comes to trying something new or evolving, you know, or embracing change. change. Well, and as you said, evolve or die. Evolve or die. That's right. <laughs> and that's the times that we live in. Well, there's no question about that. Yeah, it's fascinating. The The man that really built our parent company, Mr. Spencer Hayes, who passed away two years ago, was also dyslexic. And it caused him to become very, very skilled at dealing with people for the very reasons that you spoke about. Yeah. And he was fond of saying, you can't build a business, but you can build people. And those people will then build your business. Absolutely. So it sounds absolutely. like you, you agree with that philosophy. Uh, absolutely. And not only that, but no matter what you do in life, I mean, we're on a planet full of people, mm -hmm. and this is what we're doing. And and just because we're making iPhones and iPads and computers and, and uh, all these other things, we distract ourselves sometimes from human interaction. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're still living on a planet full of other people just like ourselves. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robin, we have thousands of listeners from all different walks of life in all different situations. Some of them are doing incredibly well in all aspects of their lives, and some right now are really struggling. If somebody just felt like there wasn't much hope going forward, how, how would you advise that person? What are the one, two, threes that you would say, try this first, then this, then this? The business is failing. Maybe they're having issues with their family. They're just really discouraged. Wow. Um, I mean, every, every story is so different. But I guess that the things I've been saying before, such as first start making sure that you're taking care of yourself, because if you can't take care of your, and that starts with your physiology, if you're not feeling at your best, you're not going to be good for anybody else. So your family, this, let's just say you've got marriage problems, mm -hmm. you know, you need, you need to be at your best to work out your relationship uh, with your partner. Uh, and the same would apply for business or your children or anything else that you're doing. And so for me, it always comes back to the very basic of you've got to take care of yourself. And that's become my number one priority, and I've kind of become a longevity junkie, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to do all these various things so that I can be in optimal health. Because if I'm in optimal health, then everything else is going to be better. Everything mm -hmm. else is going to be more fun, more joyful, um, and I'm going to get things done better. I'm going to accomplish more and, um, and so on. And so for anyone going through hard times, the, the worst thing you can do is medicate the best thing you can do is start becoming your best self physically and mentally so you can start finding ways to, um, you know, solve your challenges one challenge at a time. And break it down like that. Break it down into one challenge at a time. Um, I think the worst thing that happens to all of us is we get overwhelmed because we wake up one day and we look at the hole and we go, Oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, um, sometimes that can kind of just make us stuck in our tracks. Right. So trying to break it down one step at a time, do that one thing, take care of yourself so that you have the capacity to deal with these things. Really, really sound advice. Yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
I'd like to to kind of wrap up with with your thoughts on what it truly means to have a, a service attitude. In other words, some of the people that you have in your studio that you record for, everybody knows them. Uh, Taylor Swift, Matchbox 20, Megadeth, Tim McGraw, Neil Diamond, who's been an inspiration to me for 50 years, Amy Grant, Faith Hill, Alison Krauss, many more. You serve these individuals. You're not intimidated by them. It's a, it's a partnership. It's a communion that you have. How does one maintain and keep the attitude of, of service so strongly as you do? Well, first of all, um, when I started in the studio business, I didn't think of it as a service business. I just thought of it as, hey, I'm going to record records and I'm going to, you know, because I understand how to do all this. And I've got an interesting, to me, it's an interesting story. Amy Grant, this was the second year that we had Dark Horse, and that was back when we just had one studio. And she was doing an album here. Um, and uh, I believe that album is called Behind the Eyes. It's now probably 20 years old or so. Um, but it's a wonderful album. And I was still kind of just now becoming a non-RCA person. So I thought of myself as a recording artist still, and that was kind of my identity. And so Amy was recording here, and I gave her a tape of music that I was working on. And um, and she had never heard me. She had no idea that I even did any of this. She just, and the next day she came back and she looked at me and she says, it's so interesting. I had no idea that you were a musician and I had no idea that you would sound like you do. She said, I just thought of you as someone who likes to serve people. And I remember thinking when she said that, you know, I'm having more fun serving my customers and serving my clients than I ever did trying to be a rock star. And that was kind of a, a moment that I had this mental aha experience where I thought, I guess I am in the service business and I'm in the people business. And, um, and that was 20 years ago. So fast forward to now, I actually speak on customer service a lot. In fact, when I, when I give uh, public, um, you know, public speeches, public keynotes, uh, most of the stories are about my clients and my interaction with Tim McGraw or, or uh, um, Neil Diamond, or I've got a real funny story I've just started telling with Matchbox 20. We had a, a five-foot snake that came into the dining room one night where they were all eating because it was summer and they had left the doors open. And, and so I've got this crazy story. But all these stories are about figuring out how to take care of your customers which on that particular night meant, how do we get rid of a five-foot five foot snake, snake. <laughs> that's literally in the room with them? And um, um, and yeah, it's just all about it's just it's just all about serving others and uh, making others feel important, mm -hmm. like they're cared for. Right, and you have so many stories like that, I'm sure, that are just incredible, and they make a difference. I have a couple. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Robin, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving of yourself, not just for this interview, but for the world itself and for the people all around you. You're an inspiration. And although I'm not going to reveal how old you are, I can tell all of our listeners, life's way better after 60, everybody. I promise you, <laughs> if you take care of yourself and life is good. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.